Okay, please do be seated. Good to see you all. Let's, uh, as we take a seat, why don't we give a big cheer for Jesus today? Uh, he is here. He reigns. Thank you so much. And uh, can we also as well give a big cheer for every person who serves, whether that is um, uh, on music, leading us in worship, uh, doing the words, screens, cleaning, setting up. Um, we so appreciate every single person. Uh, so thank you so much. I wanted to get straight into the word today. And I think it could be possibly uh, one of the most important talks that I've given uh, to, our, uh, to our church yet. Uh, it's, it's about vision. It, uh, it speaks again from Nehemiah, the series that we're looking at at the moment. Uh, and then as a response, I wanted to do something a little bit different to what we usually do. Happy Mother's Day, everyone. Uh, the, the men included. It's good to celebrate, isn't it? Any, any reason. Remember the, uh, John Sensimu, the Archbishop of, uh, of York, once said that every good church should know how to celebrate and party. And that is so true. I want to jump into the word today. Uh, Nehemiah, today we're looking at reach our community. Uh, I think I've said before, but the vision of our church is to build our church, reach our community, and to impact our world. So part of this series today is looking at how do we reach our community. And before you think, oh, here we go, it's about being crazy evangelists all day long. Actually, I want us to do some inward reflection, uh, if you permit me today. So Nehemiah 5, if you carry in your Bible. Nehemiah 5. I love what we begin to read in Nehemiah 5. I know some of us have been uh, doing some journaling alongside uh, our midweek uh, kind of devotion as well through Nehemiah. And... Um, and Nehemiah 5 introduces us to this story of, of, of a leader who is disgruntled. Uh, he sees almost a, a injustice. I don't know how you react to an injustice when you see something bad happen or you feel like someone's been um, left aside or cast out. There's something within us begins to rise up. And Nehemiah, as we look at Nehemiah 5, uh, this is, this is the, the story that we're, that we're introduced to. Uh, and it says this, Now the men and their wives raised a great outcry against their Jewish brothers. We learnt last week and the week before that Nehemiah saw that his city was in ruins. The wall was in ruins. So he thought, right, I've got to get a plan together. He approached the king. The king said, go, yes, um, and, uh, and gave him his full blessing. And then he went to build this building project. And as he was doing it, he, uh, he kind of, he, he initially, he, he kind of gets a quick win. People are like, yep, you know, we're going we're gonna to help, we're going to be involved. And then suddenly he kind of sees something that really uh, puts a, a bit of a left turn on the mission. And this is what Nehemiah begins to unpack. So it says this, some were saying, we and our sons and daughters are numerous. Uh, and in order for us to eat and stay alive, we must get grain. Others were saying, we are mortgaging our fields, our vineyards and our homes to get grain during the famine. Uh, and still others were saying, we have to borrow money to pay the king's taxes on our fields and vineyards. Although we are one of the same flesh and blood as our countrymen are, and though our sons are as good as theirs, yet we, are subject, uh, yet we have to subject our sons and daughters to slavery. Some of our daughters have already been enslaved, but we are powerless because our fields and our vineyards belong to others. So let's just recap. Some of the language used, it's almost like they are comparing with these other people who are rich and have their property, who they owe money to. They're saying, but, 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 our daughters, our sons, but, they're on the same par as yours. 
It's almost like they're trying to barter and use the language from this position of, of, of weakness. Clearly, they don't feel like their sons and daughters are, hence why they're saying this. Uh, we kind of know that these guys are destitute. Destitute, when you Google it, it means that you are kind of penniless. You have nothing. That, that pretty much, they're in a dire situation. And Nehemiah really is stirred by this scenario of this injustice. And he says, this can't continue. We've got to act. We've got to do something. One of the lines used was that my family being sent into slavery. Allow that to sink into our brains this morning. That we are laid off from work for a few months. That, uh, that things, uh, just a, a perfect storm of events, means that we just begin to drip money from our bank accounts. That, uh, that we begin just to look around and think, actually, I can't get work. I'm struggling to make ends meet. Uh, my servants have gone. You know, the roof's caved in. I need a new car. I can't get you know, X, Y, and Z. And suddenly, 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 security has gone. Now, for these guys, the, the, the answer was found in, we have to sell our daughters into slavery. This is huge for people. And I know sometimes when we read this, it's just a quick story, isn't it? We glance over the words and move on to the next sentence. But actually, these people were really, really suffering. Today, I want to look at community, to reach our community. What does this mean? I mean, clearly, we can look at all the things that we are doing and the things that we are going to do. That's great. But actually, when I was praying for us this morning, I felt like we needed to just stop and reflect on, on really who we are, where we've been, but also important, where we're going. And uh, an authentic community is one of our, our, our kind of our mission statements, one of the things that we hold dear to. And if you've ever checked our website out, which loads of people do, uh, here's what the words say about what we look for in community. Authentic community. Our heart as a church is to model authentic community where people find life and hope through relationships uh, in God and in each other. We want to be about strengthening marriages and repairing broken relationships. And we are designed for community and believe God's design and desire is for us to thrive through it. It's this sense of we believe as a church that we are about community. Now I know that when you think of the word community, lots of us think outreach, mission, events, pop-up things, cakes, music, you know, it, loads of different things flood into our minds, don't we? But we want to talk about this is community, the people to our left and to our right, the people who we're praying for, we're, we're cheering on to reach our community. The church, I would say, when we look at community, is like a table. And I want to uh, explain it in this way, that, uh, that actually we want to uh, not build walls to stop people coming into our church, but we, we want to extend the table constantly to allow other people to come and eat around it. So I suppose, really, as a church, when we think about community and everything that we do, it comes from this, this place of, look at that, it looks nice, it's well presented, it's well laid out. I arranged these myself this morning. Not bad for a baldy northerner. Not bad, hey? And, uh, but actually, it's, it's got to be well presented. So, so how do we make sure that we are presenting Jesus in a way that is, is real, that it, it speaks to people's level? Because Jesus, as we're going to discover later on, he said, as I've shared before, he said, I am the, the bread of life. People say carbs are bad. Carbs are good. Jesus is the cosmic carbohydrate. It's, a, it's, a, it's biblical. It's a proven fact. So actually, when we look about how we serve the bread of life to people, how do we do it in creative and compelling ways? So when people come in this morning, we're not using language that is alien or, or just weird. When we are uh, kind of presenting stuff in our kids' groups, is it, is it accessible? Are we saying we want people for, who aren't a part of us to come in and sit and eat from Jesus Christ? 
who is the bread of life. Are we, are we uh, creating uh, the, these conversations where, where people can come in and say, yes, here's my seat. Here's where I begin to eat. And really the hope is as we form community, as we come and eat together, which we do on a Sunday, we, we come in, we, we gain sustenance. And we go about our midweek and our lives. As people come in, we'll say, yep, I begin to be, I'm fed. You know, I'm finding a place for me, whether that's connect group, whether that's worship on a Sunday, whether that's a prayer triplet, whether that's just hanging out with, with like-minded people. I begin to be more inspired to be like Jesus Christ as he leads us forward. And equally, as I come in and I'm fed and nurtured, I push away from the table and I go into my week ready to serve the bread of life to those who need it. That's our mandate, isn't it, as Christians? So I suppose it's twofold. It's being fed, but also it's going to feed others. So Nehemiah, he sees a people who aren't being fed, a people who are destitute, penniless, being robbed, in dire need of something to change. And he thought, I need to do something. I need to create change. So Nehemiah 5, we, we're welcome to the story of, I would say, a broken community. A broken community where people aren't getting along. People are at loggerheads. There's miscommunication. There's greed. There's injustice. And I think it's all the things that we would say as a church that we don't want to be here. We want to come in and people to feel welcome and loved and accepted. And for all of us to get along as best friends. That's the ideal, right? But actually, Nehemiah 5 warns us that in community, there can be fractions. So how do we overcome those? We have to serve this bread in a way that people understand. Because actually people, if we're honest, need the sustenance of Jesus Christ. That's why we come to church, but equally so many are out there across Teesside who don't know about him. Then Nehemiah 6 moves on. And it says this, When I heard their outcry and these charges, I was very angry. Not in an English polite way. I was a bit, oh yes, I was a little bit angry, yes, one was a little bit ticked off. But I think there was something in him that he thought, I need to, I need to challenge the status quo. And in fact, he did. I pondered them in my mind and then accused the nobles and officials. I told them, you are exacting usury. Or if in a northerner's term, I think we would say, you're taking a mick. The NIV should stand for the Northerners International Version. I'm sure of it. Wouldn't it be great to just have a Bible that's just uses some of our dialect and lingo? You're taking a mick. What are you doing? Can't you see? You're just, you're just, these people have nothing. It wasn't in a polite tone, but he said, I have to do something. And actually, check out the response. And they said later on, as, uh, in, from verse 6, they said, you know what, Nehemiah, you're right. We have done wrong to our fellow brothers and sisters. We are damaging this community, therefore we're going to change. And we're not going to ask or, or exact or, or, or just undermine these people any longer. We're going to give back their lands, give back their money. Amazing. So suddenly people weren't selling people into slavery. Suddenly a community had hope. People began to look outwards. So like Nehemiah, I would say, in the Old Testament, humanity, we've all been bankrupt. We've all been uh, in a state of being spiritually penniless where we've needed a saviour. And when we look at the New Testament, Jesus says, I have come to give life. And suddenly how this reflection of being penniless to us as well in this modern age, to this modern society says, actually, I've come so that you may have the cosmic carbohydrate. Are you full today? Are you feeding on the, on the cosmic carbohydrate, on the bread of life today? 
so that we can be filled, but also that, so that we can serve other people with who and what we know. So Nehemiah, we get this great reflection of a society that really needed a shift. But today, aren't we met with the same challenge of a society that needs a shift? So let's think about the table. Let us think about how we eat, how we are fed, how we are nurtured when we come in. But equally, who are the other people who we are praying for, who we are longing for, to come and see and eat and find their place at this table as well? And I suppose when we think about the table, which is the church, we can begin to think, oh no, it's about the outreach talk. The outreach talk is I have to tell everyone about Jesus all day long. I need to think of like just some smart evangelism tips. And I was, uh, we were doing connect group this week and this phrase just really hit me. And it was this, love well. Love well. And I think when we, when we start to ponder our community, when we look at our lives and, and, and how we go from these moments of church gatherings, I think we have to think about how we love well, we don't always get it right, but I think if that's our, our, our go-to place, this is what speaks volumes. And in fact, when we look at Scripture, John 13, Jesus commanded us and told us to love each other. Plain as day, love each other as you love yourself, just love each other. And he can't say it often enough, just love one another. And okay, I, I begin to hear this repetition, this tone, this, 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 this posture from Jesus. I have to begin to love him and love each other. So how does this play out for us? I think Nehemiah tells us of a bad community. Galatians 5, I think, points towards a healthy community. Check these words out. Check these words out. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness. Aren't they amazing? Aren't they just just speaks of stuff that just sounds good. Wouldn't it be great if as a church we were able to model that as a community? I often find that, you know, kind of day-to-day living, that, uh, that, you know, when people kind of get your back up, or you're having a tough week at work, or you're exhausted, you haven't slept, or just something hasn't worked out quite right, sometimes our go-to is frustration. It's pretty normal. It's a human emotion, isn't it? We're frustrated, we're fed up. Often, isn't it interesting, in moments of worship, or just when you have five minutes and you just read scripture or you have had a great time at church one morning or whatever, you fill in the, in the blanks, whatever works for you. In those moments, it's almost like we just, we feel a covering, don't we? A, a real peace. We, we begin, that, that situation that we were so worked up by or, or those people or that work issue or, or finances or health or whatever, there's genuine stuff that robs, of, robs us of joy. When we spend time in his presence, isn't it incredible how we get a fresh perspective? Hands up if you know what I'm talking about. Exactly. And, and, and so often, I think it's, it's about seeking those moments. Not because they're necessarily hilltop moments, but I think speak, seeking his presence because that's what comes from his presence. Uh, Nehemiah 5, it warns us of what happens when, when community gathers, but that isn't centered around his presence. Greed anxiety, corruption, you know, miscommunication, uh, people putting themselves above other people. It's no longer about serving, it's about entitlement. These are all warning signs to, to what it means uh, to be a part of a community that doesn't seek his presence. But then when Jesus comes New Testament, we get this breath of fresh air which says, when you seek my presence, he's the things that flow. Try and say the word joy without smiling. It's almost an impossibility. 
Some of us are trying really hard. Joy. Impossible. Joy. It's so, so true. Do you need joy this morning? What's happening in your life and my life? Is there a situation that actually we're just not feeling joyful in? And I don't think joyful is, is an emotion that is fleeting up and down because none of, us, none of us are constantly good, are we? But actually, I think joy is a truth that keeps things on a consistent level, that keeps a consistent peace and gives us something to look forward to, even when scenarios and situations say that we shouldn't. Is this making sense to anyone? Someone say yes this morning. Good church, come on. So we've got to think about when people come and eat at this, this table, which is our church. What's on offer? It's joy, it's peace, it's kindness, it's gentleness, it's patience. Are we modeling this with each other? Not all of the time. And I want to come to this in a few moments. So Nehemiah challenges the people. He's like, come on community. If we want to see good things happen, if we want to see these walls built, if we want to see our people restored, community or church, it works in either sentences or phrase, then we've got to get these things right. So I think it's about seeking his presence. And we're going to have an extended time of worship in a few moments of just, just singing, of just declaring our hearts to, to be bankrupt before Jesus again. Lord, we're desperate for you to move in our city, in our region, in our area, in our towns, in our workplaces. Therefore, as we worship you, God, we usher in the kingdom of God. Why? Because when we eat from you, we're filled up. That God, we're no longer uh, dissatisfied, but we have a joy that the world looks at us and says, that is something that I can't buy. That is something I can't achieve on my own understanding. Therefore, we begin to say to people, this is what it means to feed and to come into the presence of Jesus Christ. Are you hungry this morning? I'm always hungry. Are we, are we thirsty this morning? I'm always thirsty. Are you? So let us come and say, Jesus, again, only you can fill me up. Only you, only you can give a hope that passes all understanding. Therefore, I fix my eyes on you. To love well. So let's not dream up when we look at community this morning, and we've got time for this, believe me, we've got time, at clever evangelism strategies. But let's think about how internally, as a body of Christ, how we do this well. Wouldn't it be amazing if Galatians 5 was our benchmark, was our go-to place? Do you know what? I want to say this. Galatians 5 is achievable. It really is. It's not like we always have to be grumpy. It's not like we always have to be uh, impatient. It's not like we always have to be worried about finances. It's not like we always have to be in a place of, of just we're not sure what's going to happen. Because actually the things that are available are his truth and his presence. And I believe when we rest in those we have peace. When we rest in that, we do have a, a real joy. So I think it's when, not if, we're struggling. When we feel erratic, when we are struggling to be generous because finances are hard, it doesn't make sense to be generous with our, our money. When, when time's tight, it doesn't make sense to be generous with our time because I've got other things to be doing. I think when we feel the constraints, when we feel like we shouldn't, I wonder if that's a time when we think, do I need to spend time with him and his people? What's been really helpful for me recently is uh, part of my role, I get to travel around on trains quite a lot. And it's been amazing, really amazing, uh, just to read uh, some books or just to think on situations or to print into, into scenarios. And suddenly, 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 the, the feelings you were thinking 24 hours before, the, 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 the plans you had in your mind, how you were going to work this out, Suddenly, isn't it amazing how you just feel a real peace about it when you get his perspective, his outworking? 
And, and I know some of us are in, in church today and we just need his perspective. We need his outworkings. So I would invite us today to come to the table again in a place of surrender. And surrender isn't weakness. I think surrender is strength. And it's saying, actually, I know when I come to this place, I need my saviour. I need his input. I would invite each and every one of us, church today, whether you've had a fantastic week or a week from hell, to come and sit at the table today and to be fed and nurtured by the one who can. Let's think on that for a moment. The incredible thing about coming to the table afresh is that when we experience the kindness of Jesus in our own lives, isn't it true that we we have compassion for the needs of others around us? And I think this is the point of community, that as we get this right for ourselves, the byproduct is going to be that other people come in and see what's going on and they're going to want to be involved, whether that's in a toddler group, they're going to taste and see that the Lord is good, whether that's in a connect group because you invited them in, whether that's a Sunday morning, we've been seeing new people come every single week, praise the Lord, whether that's uh, on a pub on a Sunday night, whether that's in a workplace, which is through a conversation of something that really struck you or something you feel called to do, you fill in the blanks. But as we begin to get this right for us, I can't wait to see the outworkings of God across our region. So Nehemiah rallied the people. He said, come on, let's get this right. Let's, let's start on a level footing. Let, let's treat each other like we should be. And let's see what can be achieved. And we know through the story of Nehemiah that he had great favour. Amazing. But ultimately he built this wall that, that provided security for people. That said that you have a place, that you have belonging. And I believe today that Jesus, as he builds his church, as he establishes his kingdom, which he's always doing. That actually that's what he's doing today. That people come in and they find security, that they're able to build the, 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 the walls of their lives on the foundations that we've been placing. So it, it's physical, isn't it? It's, it's showing up. It's, it's saying, I'm going to stand shoulder to shoulder. I, I'm going to pray. I'm going to invest. I'm going to be around. I'm going to be available. That's some physical things we can do, I think, as community. But also, let's not forget the prophetic voice. I think it is prophetic. We speak blessing. We speak favour. We speak hope and life over each of the situations. We speak of a better tomorrow than of yesterday. Why? Because we have a hope. We have a hope and a future. So how does this fit for you? What are the thoughts? What's the stuff that the Lord is stirring in your heart? Matthew 26, 26. It's such a familiar setting that loads of us have come to time and time again but it's Jesus modeling community and in fact he models community that that is to be modeled uh, from from that time until the end of time and it's this introduction of the 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 breaking of bread and uh, and the the reflection of the sacrifice that Jesus has made for each and every one of us so that we can live in community so that we can live in peace so that we can be people of peace and so that we can have peace and it says this While they were eating, Jesus took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take and eat for this, for this, as you come to the table this morning, is my body. I 
allow this moment to be between you and Jesus. And it doesn't have to be a, a somber act or a deathly procession. But rather, why not let's make this moment a real moment of celebration. Like Jesus, I get to come again afresh this morning and eat from you and, and go from you. That I get to come and find my sustenance in you. I get to come and be refreshed. Like Jesus, I get to come and just sit at your feet and gaze into the, the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. That I get to come and find answers in you that the world can't give me. Are you in church this morning perhaps for the first time and you've heard bits about Jesus and you've maybe followed Jesus for a while but right now the, the lights are out and actually you, know, you are feeling just a bit hungry. You're feeling a bit cast out. Come and eat again from his body. Come and find your place again as we're invited into the celebration that Jesus and this banquet that is prepared for you. What a great thought. And the band are going to play. And as they play and worship, you know, find what's right for you. Perhaps you want to just be on your knees in a spot and just have a moment of, Jesus, I need you. What a great place to be in. Perhaps it's locking arms with someone to our left and to our right and saying, do you know what? I want to speak blessing over you. I want to know that I'm, I'm here for you. I'm here for community. Perhaps it's coming quietly and, and, and taking from, the, from the, the juice and from, from the bread and saying, I'm eating from you again today, Jesus. Perhaps for some of us it's an outward declaration of, Jesus, I am so passionate about what you've done for me. I, I want to sing it out. I want to declare it out. For others, we might get words or pictures. Church, let's become alive this morning because he's here and he's got something good for us. So I would invite you, in your own time, in your own moments, as we worship for a while, to come and take from the table. So Jesus, as we ponder these words, as we look at Nehemiah, as we think about how you taught us to love, how you encourage us, to love, how you command us to love each other. Jesus, we come this morning in total surrender. And Jesus, we come this morning in repentance. We come to you in a place of saying we haven't always got it right. That Jesus, we don't always treat each other how we should treat each other. That Jesus, we think things, we say words, we have sly comments. Jesus, we, we, just, we haven't got this together. But Lord, would you forgive us this morning as we come and take from your body that, Father, you would release blessing across your church. That, Lord, in one voice and one spirit we come and drink and eat. That there be unity. That there be unity. Romans 5 says, But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Jesus, you died for us. We are so grateful. Lord, would you remind us this morning of the sacrifice that you've made and how your blood covers all transgressions, all sins, all manners. And God, you invite us this morning. You say, come, eat and drink. Come and join my celebration. Come and join my banquet.
look at what I've displayed and laid out for you. So church, I invite you to come and partake in communion.